What up guys? It's your girl Rowdy. We're back with another episode of Lip Service. I'm here with my producer Sharonda aka Gunshy. We have a really fun, cool show for you guys today. Um, we're going to be talking about psychedelics, one of my favorite subjects. It's a little bit of a controversial subject for some people, um, but let's just get into it. another episode of lip service I'm really excited about this topic because I love talking about psychedelics <laughs> I love the history of it I read about it I research it I mean it's such an interesting part of history not just American history but it's just history period I mean think about back in the day before they were policing drugs kind of like we do today it's sort of progressed into this big policing of drugs itself and i guess i'm not speaking of just drugs in general but specifically psychedelics because to me um psychedelics are awesome there's so many great things that they can do for people and whatnot so okay. yeah that's what we're gonna be talking about today okay so for those out there who might not actually know what a psychedelic is what what exactly are psychedelics so when I think about psychedelics, I think about mind-altering substances. I don't even like to call psychedelics drugs because drugs has such a negative connotation. And I don't think that psychedelics are negative or have to be negative. I mean, like anything, you can abuse them. Like cigarettes, nicotine can be abused. <laughs> Caffeine. <laughs> I love my Starbucks. You can't take it from me. But... There are legal substances that we can overuse and abuse. So anyway, I digress. But when I think about psychedelics, for me, what comes to mind is LSD, um, peyote. Um, we can get into that. Um, psilocybin, mushrooms. Um, ayahuasca is the latest and greatest discovery of <laughs> Americans and Westerners, but they've been doing that shit in the rainforest and for a very long time but those are the type of things that I think of when I think of psychedelics um they have substances in them that trigger the mind-altering piece of it um DMT dimethyltryptamine which by the way the body naturally produces DMT you can naturally produce DMT in your body there's different ways to do it one is the Wim Hof method but I could just go on and on but so like DMT mescaline it has different um chemicals or whatever if you will that trigger the psychedelic aspect the mind altering aspect of it so okay so it's just a few there's wait, probably more but those are the ones that i know about let's talk about this whole mind altering thing mm -hmm. <laughs> because that can go really badly it can go what really bad or can go really well um what we know today is called a bad trip that happens but what i think is important and it goes all the way back um to the psychedelic 60s the rockin 60s um it's all about set and setting so it's about where you are creating an environment that is calm and comfortable mm -hmm. um to take 
whatever trip you're going to take, whether it's LSD, whether it's ayahuasca, whatever it is, whether it's psilocybin, I'm a firm believer that one needs to be in, in a proper setting. Um, and whatever that is for you, because it may differ from other people because, and I think we'll get into this, but they're using, there's clinical trials going on where they're using LSD, excuse me, psilocybin, other psychedelics to treat PTSD and soldiers to treat anxiety. People are microdosing with it. Writers are microdosing and artists and creatives to help them to help open up their mind, which I think is so dope. But um, I'm a firm believer that you need to do it in the right set and setting. I'm not a believer that you should go out to a rave and start <laughs> popping LSD and all of that because it's such a chaotic mm -hmm. environment and at these wild parties, um, which I have no issue with raves and parties and whatnot. But I just wouldn't do any kind of psychedelic in that environment. Um, I truly believe if you want to have a good experience, a good trip, um, something that's mind-opening, um, you need to be in the right environment for you. All right. No, no, that, that, no, that sounds good. But let's talk about like the mind-altering mind versus mind-altering using a psychedelic mm -hmm. versus just because some people will say, Alcohol alters your mind. Mm -hmm. They would say marijuana, mm -hmm. or some people just they have issues that just alters their mind. So how is that different? Like what's how does how is the mind altering experience with psychedelics? Well, for one, psychedelics have not been known to be addictive. So I'm not a doctor. I'm not a um, any kind of psychiatrist or anything like that. Everything I know is from all the studying, researching, testing, or whatever <laughs> that I've done. So this is just. I'm one person with one opinion on psychedelics, right? But alcohol, for example, is addictive. It's known to be addictive, right? Alcohol, it, it does alter your mind, but it does it in a way that your speech is slurred. You have no control over your motor functions. A lot of times people are slurry. They're, they can't walk. They can't stand, right? On psychedelics, you can your motor skills are fine. You can move and function on LSD. Um... And it's not addictive. I think one of the important things is it's not addictive. Alcohol is an addictive substance. We all know that. And it causes people to act out in ways that they normally wouldn't. And now with on, on LSD, for example, it opens the mind. When I say mind altering, you know, it tends to open the mind, expand the consciousness. I look at LSD or any other psychedelic, psilocybin, whatever. For me, it just sort of removes that film or filter that we have over our eyes and we're able to see the world as it is truly meant to be seen or as it truly is. I mean, things are more vibrant, colors are vibrant. You it, like all of we're all energy, right? And you see the energy, you feel everything on a whole different level. And on alcohol, it dulls the senses. That's the difference. Okay, so that's the main difference, right? Alcohol tends to dull the senses. Listen, if you want to not feel anything, you go on an alcohol bender. You don't want to feel anything. You want to feel everything, you, you go on a trip. You take some psilocybin, you take Lucy. You're going to feel everything. <laughs> Everything's going to come crashing down on you. That's the big difference in my opinion, okay. between, you know, the two. Okay. 
Now, I you mentioned how like now creatives are microdosing to help enhance their creativity. Mm-hmm. They're using it to um, test PTSD patients, and it's crazy because in preparing for this, I read there was a movement like the psychedelia movement where they actually were influenced like a lot of the the much of the art, the music, and the cultural movements that we saw in the '60s and everything. And as you said, it's not addictive. Well, so that's why? where it started. Listen, LSD. Since we're gonna mostly talk about LSD apparently (laughs) but it was actually discovered in 1938 by a chemist um Albert Hoffman discovered it by mistake um and uh, he was working for some pharmaceutical company or whatever but he discovered it by mistake and um he got a little bit of it he absorbed a little bit of it in his fingers fingertips and voila the first acid trip (laughs) Uh, in the world happened but um, back in the day when it was first discovered it was being used sort of and tested to see what the effects of it is medically like clinically mm-hmm. um, and so they did a lot of trials and testing um, from a medical perspective right and then the interesting thing is you know like the ivy league schools they were doing trials in the ivy league schools it's interesting because now today you think oh ivy league they're sort of prissy and oh you know i'm all whatever but back then <laughs> it's like where everything was happening like hmm. everything was happening cambridge prince like all of those ivy league schools they were huge in the psychedelic movement in the 60s i mean a lot of those the leaders in the movement went to Ivy League schools, did clinical trials uh, there. I say clinical trials, that's probably not what they called it back then, but like the, the people who who sort of started help make, socialize, let's just say that helped socialize LSD, people like poets like and writers, Allen Ginsberg, um, Aldous Huxley, um, if you guys don't know who that who they are, you need to go look them up. They're like legends, writers and um poets and whatever and then you've got everybody should know if you know anything about the psychedelic movement you got it there's a name that you that everybody knows and that's timothy leary if you don't know who timothy leary is then you probably really don't know much about the psychedelic movement i'm not saying i'm just saying um because he was the loudest about it the most vocal boisterous and he helped really really helped socialize the movement his whole motto, what is it, tune in, turn on, drop out, um, which on the surface you're like, what the fuck, but when you really stop to think about it, even if you're not on any kind of psychedelic, right, the whole motto behind that, when you think about tune in, it's like really focusing in, letting all of the social norms fall away, and you're focusing in, and you're turning your mind on, you're, you're, you're conscious on, and you're tuning everything else out. So every, you're dropping out of the world, basically. The physical world as we know it, right? And you're on a conscious level. Like, you can do that through meditation, in my opinion. You don't even have to do that on a psychedelic. You can, you can do that meditating. In fact, I do that meditating. And when I do it really well, the whole world around me completely, I drop out completely from it. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to take a psychedelic to do, to, to, to do that. But... 
Anyway, so Timothy Leary is like one of the greats. He was one of the greats. He really helped push the movement into the public eye. And for some, a little too much because old boy got arrested. Oh, um, but they were fucking with them because don't get me started with the government and the CIA and how they tried to weaponize these psychedelics, which no, they did. No, let's get started because <laughs> you're like, okay, no, seriously though, because alcohol, I mean, you can get alcohol anywhere, everywhere. And like I'm you saying, said, though. it does. I mean, it makes you act, it, it, it makes you act stupid. It makes your, yeah, it just makes you do things you wouldn't normally do. And um, yeah, like I said, you can get it anywhere. And some places, and like, it's no, legal. And it's legal, which is crazy. So, so why? I mean, this has been used in medicine and religion, and everything else, and it's like proven. It's been proven to like show positive, you know, effects. I never want. I've never heard of anyone who did a study on alcohol and said they drank so much alcohol and saw a positive effect. Never seen that study. Yeah, no. <laughs> so why is this illegal? You know, because I think, especially back in the day, especially in the '60s, what they were using psychedelics for was a movement of love and peace and coming together and it scared the government like it legit scared them they were scared of the hippies they were scared, scared of, of this movement peace. well the war machine is a motherfucker like listen the military industrial complex runs this motherfucking country war is money why would they want peace when all of the money is made through war so I get it. Um, but so the CIA, you know, they get wind of these psychedelics and they try to use them. They try to militarize them, try and use them um, for warfare. So they had different studies going on. They had different divisions and units in the government or the CIA where they had whole teams of people dropping LSD daily. Like, it was a part of the program. And they were secretly dosing people. They would have host, like, private shindigs and parties where everybody would drop E. I mean, not E. Oh, my God. Did I say E? <laughs> Listen, don't take ecstasy. <laughs> That's, like, man-made. And who knows? People are putting everything and the kitchen sink in ecstasy. Anyway. Don't smoke babes. People are dying. Everybody's, like, um, oh, what were we talking about? Oh, psychedelics. Oh, sorry. LSD in the CIA. So... The CIA was secretly dosing people. They didn't even know about it. People didn't even know they were being dosed with LSD, which is really quite dangerous, if you ask me, because I feel like if you're going to do something like that, you need to be very conscious and aware of what you're getting into, because if all of a sudden you're yeah. normal and then you have this weird effect take over you, then you have a freak out, right? The drug itself, the effects of it and how it, how it impacts you as a person, it doesn't make you violent. So they couldn't use it as a weapon. Like, it really made you want to love on everybody and see everything so clearly that you're just kind of like, oh, wow, the world is beautiful. But this is just, like, amazing. So now as, just in, like, today's society, more and more people are turning away from traditional religion, traditional beliefs, the, just the, the system in general. Mm -hmm. um, with that, are you are you seeing more, like, of a reemergence of people turning turn to psychedelics? Um... I think so. Um, I think it's still, LSD is still very much on the DL. Um, like marijuana, um, obviously is the big debate right now. It's becoming legal in lots of places as it should be, um, because it can also be used for healing and medicinal purposes. And it's not addictive either. Just because people like to smoke it, 
a lot, <laughs> but it's not addictive. You can imbibe it through edibles and things like that. So you don't even have to smoke it um, if that's a concern, but people are using it. I mean, cancer patients, mm -hmm. um, an ex of mine, his, this was back in the day before I really even understood um, the THC and the benefits of it and things like that. His mom had cancer and she had a prescription for marijuana uh, because she couldn't eat and she had like wasted away to like maybe 70 pounds. And when she started doing the marijuana, she had an appetite. She started eating, putting on a little weight. And that was way, oh my God, I probably, that was years ago. But even then, you know, the medical industry, there are plenty who knew the benefits of, of something like that. But Big Pharma, obviously, is like, unless they can control it, yeah. <laughs> which they're working on, because where marijuana's become come, become legal, think about who is opening these dispensaries mm -hmm. and who's controlling that. And they make it so expensive to get licenses, to open a business. They make it really hard for the average person, which I could go on a whole nother tangent because niggas is in jail behind weed. Oh. Well, it's interesting. I just, did you say that? I just saw this thing and said, when we're in a time that marijuana dispensaries are looking and acting like Apple stores. It's time to let a lot of people out of jail. Yeah. I mean, it is, especially for, I mean, for weed. Yeah. And like, I watch a lot of documentaries. I've been watching a lot of stuff about the marijuana industry and legalizing it and people getting into the industry. And I kid you not, most of what I see are these white males, white collar, like, businessmen who having to learn the business because they're like oh i'm businessmen they don't really know weed per se but they have the money to get into the industry mm -hmm. and start these businesses and when i watch these documentaries and all of that about them getting into it and building up these industries and all of that it was kind of i felt some type of way because i was like all of my black and brown brothers who are in prison for selling weed who by the way the, the the brown or black kid on the corner store knows weed right like i'm not on the corner store but on the corner knows the industry like really knows weed but they can't work in that industry because by the way what i got from some of these things that i've been watching especially this one one guy was like oh my uncle you know, he has a lot of money and we wanted to get into it and he needed a face for it. And I'm young and, you know, I'm good looking white guy. And I'm like, <laughs> seriously, but you don't even know the industry. Like you don't, when I say industry, you don't even know much about weed. You don't smoke weed, but you're the face of it. You don't know the Because you're young, you're white and non-threatening. Right. And I think when they see the brown men or the black men, it's like, oh, they're, 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 it's threatening. And it's, it's like, it's crazy um, that I feel that when this industry gets explodes, when it busts wide open, once again, the minorities are going to be left out. It's interesting. I mean, we're already left out. How many dispensaries have you passed by or went to and saw that it was owned by a minority? I, none. I haven't actually. Yet. And they're all these more established white people, which... I love the white people. That's not, my point is not to say, oh, white people. It's once again, 
the minorities are being pushed aside in an industry that we've dominated low key, right? On the down low, on the underground. And now that it's being made legal, we should flourish. Yeah. And we're not because we don't have the means or the money because they're making it so expensive to get into it legally. It's really interesting. It's something that needs to really be looked into. So we have people now who are some of the people who are running for president who actually just want to legalize marijuana. It's like this, this, this mandated federally. Do you think that psychedelics will ever follow that path? I don't know if they can figure out how to control it. They're figured the government is figuring out how to control the marijuana industry. So, um, even if it gets legalized federally everywhere, again, my point is, is that who is going to run it and control the industry? Not black people, not Hispanics, not Asians. We're not going to control it. And, and in fact, my fear is when it's all said and done, is the government's going to control it. And then what's the point? What if we really won, right? I mean, they're going to allow who they want, right? To have the, the dispensaries, to grow it and all of that stuff by way of monetary means. I mean, I guess all of the old school marijuana drug dealers can pull their funds together <laughs> and which i suggest pull your funds together get a license do it legally sell weed legally come partner up that's the only way i mean it's expensive have you ever looked into how expensive it is to open a dispensary the licenses the cost like associated with all of that it's 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 quite expensive so i'm i'm all for legalizing it um medically and recreationally, uh, mostly medically first, because it can help so many people, so many people. And then when you think about psychedelics with the clinical trials they're doing on soldiers who suffering from PTSD, they're dosing them in the right set and setting to help them with their post-traumatic stress, to help with anxiety and micro dosing, if you guys don't know what that is, it's just taking a, a small portion of it um, almost on a daily basis. Um, different people microdose different ways for different reasons, but all of it initially anyway was done sort of in ritual ceremony, at least if you think about like from the Native Americans, peyote. That's a very, that's a hallucinogen and it's ritualistic and it's um, not addictive. And the cool thing, so I attended a Native American funeral. I didn't do peyote, but I got to see it. So what they did was they actually passed around peyote and smoked it. But when, um, so at the funeral, like the sons and all that, um, with the tribal leader, they went into like, a t I say a teepee, I don't know if that's what it was, but they went into like an enclosed place and they smoked peyote and sweated and had a whole ritual. Um, so they use it, Native Americans, we use it ceremonial. I say we, I'm part Native American, I can say we. Um, use it ceremoniously, like, you know, um, not to just like smoke peyote and go get high. 
that's not what it's used for. Um, but things like peyote, ayahuasca, which sort of came out a couple years ago in the States. It's not new where it originated or where they started using it. But here in the States, there was a spell that Americans, Europeans went through where they're like, oh, we're going to go do ayahuasca and have a magical journey, an enlightening journey. And it's pretty cool because all of the, I've never tried it, um, but all of the things I've seen and heard about it is interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty treacherous journey from what all of the things I've seen and heard, but you come out on the other side of it so enlightened. Treacherous? Wait, like... Well, <laughs> it makes you vomit, you purge. Oh. So like the idea, as I understand it, you imbibe the ayahuasca, which is disgusting. And they have a set and setting when you go do ayahuasca too. I mean, you have your, it's no lights. It's you, you're laid bare, basically, with the bare essentials. You have your bucket because you're going to purge. And by purge, I mean vomit. But it's like you're, you're getting rid of all of the negativity, the demons, or whatever, what have you. I say demons metaphorically. Um, and you get rid of all of that and you go on this journey. Whatever journey you need to go on is the journey you go on. But I feel the same way about LSD. Whatever journey you need to go on, you go on. But it's rough. Like people are vomiting, shitting, whatever. Mm. And it lasts. And then you come out of it the next day or whatever when it's done. And some people didn't really know how to feel about it. They had, they had to process it. And then some were like, it was the most enlightening thing that's ever happened to me. And now I can start rebuilding um, my life, myself. And you it uh, supposedly it helps you deal with internal issues that you wouldn't normally deal with. It brings them to the surface. Thus, purge. Get, get it out. <laughs> nice sound effect. So, I have a question. Would you ever try LSD, Sharonda? Would I? Gun shy? Yes. Would you ever try LSD? There was a time I would say absolutely not because I'm scared of drugs, <laughs> but um, I think I would. Ah, yeah, i try it. I'd be nervous, but i do it. Um, I, I, I am interested. I'd be interested more so just to see what it would bring, what I would see. And um, I would have to be, like you said, in the right environment around the right people and everything. I wouldn't want to do it myself, but yeah, I would try it. Mm. What about you, Tracy? Have you tried it? Um, I have tried LSD. Um, and I had a great experience when I tried it. I had a great experience when I tried it. Um, but, you know, I was pretty adventurous too. College? <sighs> College was fun for me. I mean, but I've never, like, see, psychedelics, again, are not, I don't consider them as drugs as we think, like, cocaine, crack, heroin, even ecstasy, bad, 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 bad. I would not suggest that. Um, I think of more, see, psychedelics, for me, it's going to take you on a spiritual journey, a journey of consciousness. A journey of enlightenment hopefully and if you haven't tried it 
don't do it just because someone else is telling you to or someone else is saying how great it is. Make sure you are doing your research, that you understand what it is you're doing, what you're getting into. And I just think that we definitely should legalize LSD, mushrooms, marijuana, especially for medical purposes. It can help so many people, y'all, so many people. So I really hope you guys go out, do your research, learn the benefits of marijuana, LSD, psychedelics, um, the medical benefits, how it helps with anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, helps cancer patients with appetite and things like that. Um, get on my bandwagon, become an advocate for it. And that's my lip service.